the whole model of more content basically equals more attention and that more attention will transact back to sales uh, if you set it up properly with strategy and everything behind it. Hey everyone, welcome to No Fat Cats, where we help high-performing creative teams to get even better. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. In this podcast, I sit down with Mitch Beatty. Mitch has been a friend for several years now, and I really was curious to hear how he has developed a subscription model for producing content. It's just so many things are going subscription these days, and why not make your content production one of them as well? And it gives you as the content creator a more of a reliable stream of work, and which allows you then to create more content at a cheaper rate for your client and the client gets more content for less so it's it's a win-win scenario we also dive into the importance of having some sort of strategy for your work so making sure that you're just not you know putting stuff out there but really think through who is your target audience and he uses a really good example where they were trying to target young entrepreneurs as part of a grant process and they discovered that besides just addressing the entrepreneurs they also needed to be creating content for the parents of those entrepreneurs and once they discovered that it kind of changed the way that they approached the their entire process without further ado here's my conversation with mitch Beatty. hey mitch welcome to the the podcast thanks for for being on the show thanks for having me i know you're coming in from uh you know brockville in Ontario, Canada. Absolutely. Wicked snowy that? day coming up tonight. <laughs> hey, well, good to... I know. Well, at least uh, this is where the benefits of the, the online uh, video calls where you don't have to travel in person because I'm sure you probably will be hunkered down tonight. Yep, more than likely. We just had a little bit of rain it is a bad out, but I know keep hearing about the, the winter storms going up over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been... We've had uh, probably about six six or so feet over the last couple of weeks. So it's been, uh, been a bit of a rough couple of weeks, a little cold too, but overall I, I, I hasn't thought, been a bad winter. <laughs> I thought you were going to say inches, but then you said feet. I'm like, Oh, that's yeah. actually pretty substantial. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a bit. <laughs> it all sounds good. Well, I, I'd love to hear a little bit, you know, just for the kind of listeners, like how did you, you know, get into, I know you run, you know, BD film, and but I'd love to hear just how did you get into it? I know you started off kind of doing a mixture of business and but but what led to your your journey where you're at right now? Yeah, so the kind of short and long story, I guess, is um, when I graduated from Houghton, um, I had a six month gig at a marketing company doing video production for them. And it was a great job. Absolutely loved it. And it kind of got uh, my first little foot in the door for being in the industry. Um, but even through the six months there, I just, I had already run a couple of my own businesses and realized I did want to work for myself. Uh, and then we had the trial period with you too, with your job and another dream where, job offer. And it was I great. I know where unfortunately we realized that it's apparently a lot harder to hire Canadians than, yeah. uh, than we thought. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So the visa process was going to be a bugger, but, um, yeah, it's kind of been like a blessing and a curse, I guess, in a way, because it would have been awesome to work for you and uh, be able to travel and do stuff like that. But jumping into my my own uh, business here, was, it's been a challenge for sure. But uh, kind of when I looked online and when I was talking with other people about kind of the, the, the big problems about the video industry is often a lot of people have to continue finding clients and always are reaching out and um, 
you know, it's not consistent work. So I brainstormed uh, both myself and then also with another friend of mine who's a really good entrepreneur. Um, and we just talked about how a subscription model could potentially be better than trying to always have to be reaching out for clients over and over and over again. Um, so that's how it kind of got started. And then uh, well, we're two years in now and it's just slowly growing bit by bit. Yeah, so, so I guess the, the subscription model, you know, and it seems like everything these days is going subscription model. Uh, you know, you pay for your, your movies, your, uh, you know, TV, your internet, I mean, even cell phones and, you know, everything is kind of becoming subscription model mm-hmm. where I think kind of fits trends of people not necessarily wanting to own stuff as much anymore, but being willing just kind of having a regular payment that they fit into their budget. How, how much do you find, did you find yeah. is that kind of part of what, what happens with when you talk to, to potential businesses? Yeah, so the the big, the way they kind of put it is like a, a no-lose situation in terms of, or win-win, whatever you want to call it. But um, for us on our end, it's a, the subscription model's recurring revenue. So for us, we know that throughout the entire year or the length of the contract, every month we know how much we're going to have. So then we're able to budget around that amount um, which is a huge win for us. And because it's not a single-use video, then we can also charge each video slightly less um, than what we would as a one-off video since we don't know if we're ever going to have them as a client again or not. So the the whole model of more content basically equals more attention and that more attention will transact back to sales uh, if you set it up properly with strategy and everything behind it. Um, so that's kind of the main thing we're trying to get the businesses we work with to do is pump out more content that people want to watch. And then how do you set up a strategy to transact that attention back into sales? Yeah, because if all you do is just create a lot more views, I mean, I've you know heard of people who have, you know, like a million followers on YouTube and, you know, are only making like a thousand dollars a month or something like that from from that. Um, yeah. What is your process like for Working, reaching out to people and kind of walking through that strategy to make sure views actually gets translates into into sales or more money for them. Yeah, so every client is completely different, um, and sometimes sometimes it's actually not just sales that they're trying to do. Maybe they're trying to rebrand their company for a year and then restructure it into sales, or um, you know something along that lines. Quite typically, we'll just sit down with the company first, do an initial meeting, and figure out what they're goals and strategies are. Once we know the goals and strategies, um, then we create a plan around the content model that they want. So sometimes it's as simple as they only need like one higher end video a month and we can sit down and see how that uh, is going to align with their strategies and goals and what they want to actually do. Uh, And it can be all the way up to having, you know, five, 10 videos a month and then taking like long form content and being able to break that down into smaller content and taking that content and making it an even to micro content. So if we have something, let's say like this podcast that we're doing, there might be 10 good points that are made out of it throughout the whole hour that we record. And I, we'll I'm take sure because those... there'll be like a thousand good points, Mitch. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> but if it's, if it's only, you know, you got your 10 or 20 pieces Um, not everyone's going to listen to a full length podcast, but right now 
the fact that we can just record this and then put it out for free to all our followers is incredible, right? So then we want to break down that content into little like 10 to 30 second segments. We put them out on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you can put it out. Uh, LinkedIn as well. That's a big one right now for organic growth. Yeah, LinkedIn is uh, apparently, people are saying it's kind of primed for, you know, a lot of possibility and growth. Yeah, especially for B2B, like anything B2B right now, um, LinkedIn, the organic growth, even though like sometimes you won't see as many, you know, likes and follows and views, whatever. Um, often the organic growth and people that are watching it, the amount of messages that are coming back, if your product's relatable to them, um, has been one of the bigger uh, growth models that we've been starting to post on more and hoping to continue to do so, <laughs> especially for our clients who are oh, wait, so uh, you, mostly B2B. So you found, for your, okay, so you, for your clients, you found that the, uh, that LinkedIn is definitely seems to be primed and you don't get as many people liking, but they're more likely to be qualified customers. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And, and what does that process of sitting down and kind of identifying their goals look like? Is that usually a separate conversation or um, yeah, so it, what does that it look depend, like? It depends on who kind of makes the calls in the company or who's allowed to make the calls. Um, so, for example, one of my clients there, a marina on the water, and they are a pretty large-scaled company. Um, they've got quite a, few fo- or, uh, quite a few clients and there's a lot of money in the company. So because we know that up front, when we go in and talk with them, we'll often, we'll often um, figure out like why they even need us. Like, why do you guys need videos? What is it that you're hoping to get out of this? Uh, and then talk more about their strategies over the next few years. So these guys are currently building, um, they're changing over from their old name into a new name. And into that new name, they're also building a resort around their marina. And they have a massive um, boat, car, RV, storage facility, all that kind of stuff, which is actually a sister company. So within that, they need new content for their websites, their social media channels, all that stuff. Part of it's to show their clients like what they're actually doing in, um, in live time, basically. And part of it is to show the rebranding and restructure to help bring in new customers from pretty much East Coast to West Coast. So it it totally depends. Every client is completely different. Um, We have some small businesses that only need like one or two little videos a month that are more so to get attention to keep their brand aware in the local area. Uh, And then there's the, the big time companies who they want everything from podcasting to videos to photos to it it just goes on and on (laughs) yeah and what have you found uh no do you guys normally offer in terms of is it that that wide mixture video photo podcasting or how do you usually like break down you know who does what or or what you do personally versus what Mm -hmm. you bring on someone else to help with yeah, so I actually just had this conversation with someone the other day. Uh, in my first year, I was doing everything. Like, it was like, oh, you need a website done? I'll do it. You need social media handling done? I'll do it. At photo, video, VR, like everything. Um, but it basically got to the point where, A, I didn't feel like my brand was being structured enough in that. So we've, we've structured our brand more around being like the video people to go to in the area. Um, 
but while offering podcasts and the VR and photos and all that, if they, if they need it. But most of the time we're just branding ourselves now around being like the video people, whether that's aerial or handheld footage, short films, digital marketing content, all that kind of stuff. Yes. So you find like as a brand, it's helpful to kind of figure out what your sweet spot is in terms of what you want to be offering and really stick to that when it comes to branding. But, uh, you know, if you need to, you you can offer some of that additional stuff on the side. Yeah, absolutely. And especially um, since brand is becoming such like a, it's always been important, obviously, and that's how you're going to help grow your company. But um, things like what Amazon's doing with Alexa, where, you know, Alexa, if you say, hey, I want Oreo cookies, Alexa and Amazon, they have to send you Oreo cookies because of the brand. But if you say, hey, Alexa, order me cookies, then Chips Ahoy is going to be paying Amazon a billion dollars to be the send me cookies company. So if people in the local area aren't, uh, you know, 10 years down the road when everyone's got these voice recognition things and blah, 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 blah. If they're saying, hey, we need a videographer and there's 20 other videographers in my area who can do what I'm doing, then somebody's going to be at the top of the list. But if they say, hey, we need BD Film because we need their brand, then brand is going to be super important. So that's what we're trying to help a lot of our clients do too. Just kind of stand out from, from the rest? Yeah, definitely stand out. But even just looking at the platforms and how the algorithms work and all that, in terms of strategy, um, why our content or why their strategy needs to change uh, in order to be at the top and have the most attention. Because if you don't have that attention, then nobody knows you exist. You might have the the best, I don't know, cottage cheese in the world and nobody will ever know because you don't have the attention and nobody knows you're making it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so then what is that... Pr- do you usually find like for a different businesses, you focus on different platforms or how do you go about that process of identifying for one particular business? What is a good, what is a good platform they, they could be leveraging uh, more than others? We, so uh, again, it depends on how big the company is. If they have somebody who does all their social media posting and all that, cause we don't do that side of things. Um, but if they have someone who's able to do that, we always encourage putting it out on every single platform you can because it's free right now right so anything that's underpriced attention anything that is you're not having to pay a ton of money to get a lot of views and transaction from we encourage it and it takes another you know five minutes to take a video and post it on tiktok and put it out there for free who knows what kind of clients you're going to get like when i first started nothing was coming from instagram Uh, when I was posting photos and videos and pretty much every time I post a video now on there, I get at least one message, if not more saying, Hey, we saw your video with this under this hashtag. We're, uh, we're looking for somebody to do it with a small business and we saw you first. So here's us contacting you. So for our clients, we definitely encourage going onto any platform, but also you need to know your market. Well, like you need to know your target audience. Well, So for a a dealership that we work with, for them, most of their clients are on Facebook. So all their boosted ads or anything they want to put money to, we encourage uh, using Facebook. Uh, If they're trying to do anything B2B, then more LinkedIn. 
But again, it's free to put everything on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever's out there. Put it out there. It's free for now. <laughs> yeah. So do you usually try to like soar or make things differently? Or at this stage, is it kind of here's the same asset. Let's put it out there. So now you can definitely get a lot into the kind of customizing things, whether it's for YouTube or, you know, in terms of aspect ratio. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where, where are you kind of at with that? So, I mean, I'm going to be personally different too than what a lot of the businesses end up doing, put it that way. My philosophy is literally don't worry about the perfection part of it. Like, don't get too hung up on that because who are we to judge what good content is, right? Like, there's been a few videos that um, we've made for some of our clients where at the end of it, I've been like, oh, that's probably not my favorite piece I've ever made, but it gets like 60,000 views. And you're like, why on earth did that get 60,000 views? And for some reason, people just want to share different content more or, (laughs) you know, like it makes no sense. But who are we to say what good content is, right? If people are going to consume it, then people are going to consume it. So why not put it out on every platform as quick as possible and without having to make it uh, a big production? No, that, well, that's an interesting point, too, because I often, at times, I mean, the worst thing is when you run into someone who wants to do perfect, and so they just kind of keep belittling and tweaking, and, you know, after a while, you Preach just you have, a, you have a, a law of diminishing returns where, you know, you're, you're trying, you got your video to 95% done, and then spent mm-hmm. half of your time to make very marginal improvements. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of the thing that we're trying to push a lot of our clients away from is some of them are very high-end companies and they definitely need a, a good quality finished product and it has to align with their brand and that they're not, you know, offending their customers or whatever it may be. Um, but often it's a little bit too much of a perfectionist at times like people can become too much of a perfectionist because you know it'll take three weeks to get a piece of content out that should have taken three days and that could have been out there for another two and a half weeks and somebody might have seen it who never would have beforehand right so our our aim is to get more content out if a company could afford it we would want a business to be putting out like a video a day at least if that was possible for them because somebody has a better chance at seeing one in a hundred videos being posted rather than you posting 12 a year. No, that's, that's definitely true where it's, you know, the sort of thing where, you know, just getting more stuff out there is going to lead to more views than trying to create the perfect piece that you just put out there once. Like, you know, if you had the chance to say, let's say I have yep. 10 hours, should you spend 10 hours working on, one big video or should you spend 10 hours working on five short pieces exactly in your 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 goal is overall impressions and views you're probably better off doing five short pieces yeah so a recent client that we actually worked with their their goal is they need to find eight people um to join into this it's a government program that actually encourages young entrepreneurs um and they give them a startup grant and if they complete the program they give more money as well So they wanted to find a way to find eight good local entrepreneurs who are young, et cetera. So we recorded seven short podcasts that were about 20 minutes each, all in the period of a day. 
and then we actually created 82 short videos for them um, that were all anywhere from like 15 seconds to about a minute and a half. And they were all just little tiny clips to throw up on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook, anywhere that they could put them. And then behind that um, will be more of the strategic partnerships of either like tagging certain companies or hashtags or whatever whatever it's going to be um having local companies share that too because a lot of them are on board for trying to get young entrepreneurs in the area and uh, economic development boards and all that stuff too so you can create all the content in the world but if you don't have a good strategy backing it then it's going to do nothing and we've seen that like early on in the company make a great video and you get like 10 views and nobody saw it and you're like oh shoot we need to rethink (laughs) this (laughs) yeah in some cases, is it about the content itself, or is it about how you tag and um, you know how you how you get it out there in terms of the the links? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty situational um, in general. But if you're not making things people want to watch, then yeah, clearly it's the content. But if you're not also partnering with other companies, or you're not um, tagging people, putting all the hashtags, all that stuff. Nobody has a chance of seeing it unless they already follow you. So one of the things that we've been doing with some of the companies too is incorporating giveaways into um, each video. So I'm trying to think of an example. Like we partnered up with a local restaurant at one point uh, and they gave, I think, like a $50 or $100 gift card to their restaurant. And in the video at the end... The way for you to win it was just to share the video, just as simple as that. And then we went through the shares and randomized a winner and gave away like a $50 gift card to the winner. Um, But if you're trying to grow your following or your viewers, then giveaways has been really big um, for our companies to gain a following. So they have to like, like the page uh, subscribe to the page or whatever, and then also, uh, like, and share the video, uh, to be entered into it. And then through that, they're growing a following and then that, that following is pretty much guaranteed to see the video, not guaranteed, but they're going to see the video more likely than, you know, Joe Blow Someone on the who's street. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody who's not there. So th- there's a lot of different thought processes, processes with all of it. Um, But again, our big thing is like, you're going to be trying to grow your following um, through each of these videos and you need to be providing content that people actually want to watch. So like with the dealership, for example, again, most dealerships, if you look at the videos they're putting out, they've got like an iPhone where they're tilted towards themselves and they're like, you know, hey, we've got a whatever, whatever car on the lot and it has these specs, but nobody really cares. And most people don't even care about like, you know, the history of the company stories that they put out, they want to know how they're involved in your company and how you're going to help them. So through providing value, whether that's like entertainment or education, um, you need to be providing something back to your client in order for them to be watching you and want to watch you. Because if they don't want to watch you, they won't. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And so what way do you find is that balance between, I, I like how you printed it out, entertaining or informing or educating mm-hmm. what do you usually find is that balance between the two in terms of the content you're producing 
Yeah, so it depends again on what what kind of uh, subscription model they're on with us, like in terms of how much content they want to pay for each month. Um, typically, what I would say is for the average client who's doing like, let's say two to three videos a month, we'll use a value piece, meaning one of those videos is specifically more about educating uh, and letting them know about the product or the service itself. Um, and that's usually tried it's usually done in a more creative way that it's not just like a you know here's our mop and bucket and this is what it can do it's it's <laughs> making it kind of like fun but informative uh and then we try to also do something that's more doesn't necessarily have to do with the product at all um but is just kind of a fun video that has their name behind it so kind of like what you see coca-cola did with the polar bears a long time ago it had nothing yep. to really do with the Coca-Cola product, uh, except for maybe they were holding the glass bottle in their hand that said Coca-Cola, but they just told stories, right? They never mentioned anything about Coke. They never yeah, mentioned I mean, anything like that. Polar bears really kept... have nothing to do with Coke, but... Nothing. And so they Coca-Cola, like that was one of the big things they did in terms of building their brand was stories around those polar bears. Um, so in that similar kind of context, we're just trying to create content that people want to watch. So that can be business showcases, uh, which we're starting to do with some of our companies here, where it's like this this company is sponsoring this uh, business highlight of the month or whatever, business showcase of the month. So we go downtown, do an interview and some B-roll um, and stitch together something that just highlights in a minute or a minute and a half uh, a company locally in Brockville and what they're doing. And it's often a a business that sometimes people don't even know existed. Uh, that's like in this little back alley or, you know, down underneath another building. Um, and then at the beginning of that video, it's just, it's sponsored by whatever company wants to put it out for that month. Uh, so it has nothing to do with their product, but they're going to be a part of the, the overall attention uh, that comes from that video. That's cool. So it's kind of helping create a community for everyone almost. Yeah, and that's another part of uh, what's fun about locally building the business right now is that there are so many opportunities for that kind of stuff. Um, the economic development boards and our Brockville downtown like business associations and the Chamber of Commerce and all these other things, they're all trying to figure out ways to help bring um, young businesses back to Brockville as well as just the the growing market in Brockville. Like how do we keep shops open later at night so that people are able to shop later and all these other problems that are kind of coming around small businesses in our area. So I think through this kind of content and a few of the other young businesses in our area, it's, it's a really neat opportunity to, to be a part of it so early on. Um, and we want to use some of that content about like documenting this kind of stuff. Um, document, we, we use uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's little, um, slogan of like documentation, not creation. You're not always having to create stuff, but sometimes just document the process of whatever, and it'll make for great content, like maybe a year or two down the road or 10 years yeah, down the road know. or whatever. So we're always trying to document for different businesses and not necessarily have to create all the time. No, it makes sense. We're just being able to have something you can post is going to be, uh, more valuable than not having anything at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 
No, that sounds great. And I, and I do like the, the point in terms of just, yeah, document, but also kind of create a community and, and just put stuff out there is, I think, the, the big thing mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, businesses just promoting themselves. It, has there been a, mm-hmm. in the spot, has there been something that you really enjoyed in terms of that was just really rewarding, really fulfilling, or kind of an, an aha moment that was just like, oh, wow, I had, I had never thought of this before? Yeah, um, the the fun thing about the subscription models, especially last year, because we only had like one or two clients doing stuff with us more like full time. The the fun thing about it was that it was kind of a testing ground. So there was a lot of aha moments of like, ah, this I, I get why this wouldn't wouldn't work or why this would work or why the client needs this. Whereas I wanted to do it one way, but really figuring out the the balance between both of our like the creativity side from my side and the wants and needs from their side of things too. That's probably been one of the biggest aha moments, honestly, because if I could do it strictly my way, then a lot of the other companies would be putting out different content. Um, But I also don't know their side of the business, right? So maybe it wouldn't work with their customer base or um, yeah. I think that's probably been one of the biggest aha moments per se. (laughs) Okay. And so was it kind of, being able to understand what the business wanted and be able to differentiate between how, how you would do something versus what they wanted. Yeah. I think it's, it's understanding kind of like I was talking about before, like you need to know your target audience. So because I'm not in the business and I usually would say this up front to them, like I, I don't know your target audience and you're going to have to tell me more about it, but I want to, they, they often have an idea in their head where the end consumer is ultimately the the best dictator of the the content, right? So if you're not yep. thinking like the consumer, then it's going to fail. So for both sides um, with the businesses, that's something I would encourage them to do is like think about it from your end consumer's perspective. Are they going to actually want to watch this? So the amount of video requests that we get from companies that are saying, oh, we want to do like a, a video piece on the history of our company and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's great for internal stuff. Um, but you guys can probably just create something like that or do like a little podcast yourself. But most of your consumers really could not care about how the business was built. You might have a few, um, but most, but (laughs) no, most, most people don't care. It's like the, uh, well, you've read the Donald Miller building a storytelling. Yeah. So, Within that book, he also talks about that too, is that nobody really cares about that stuff. They want to figure out how you're going to be the guide and how they're the hero of the story. So if you can't incorporate that into your content or into your brand or the overall feel of your business, then it's going to die pretty quick, (laughs) especially in today's market when there's content being thrown at us every single day. Yeah, you just can't spend your time going around and, and learning how about everyone's story, you know, uh, you know, maybe once you get to know them, but yep. initially people are just looking for, hey, is this going to be help me somehow? Is this going to entertain me or is it going to provide, you know, help exactly. me with information? Exactly. Yep. No, it sounds good. And then to, to what extent have you guys done podcasting? And so going back to that example where you did like 12 podcasts that were 20 minutes and you broke it down, were you just recording that? the podcast kind of conversationally and then filming it at the same time or what was that like? Yeah. So the, the company, um, 
they had a bunch of previous students, including myself, actually, who came on. I think we had seven of us, right? Is that what I said? Seven. Um, so over, it was 20 minute podcasts each over the period of a couple hours. Um, we just had them sit down. We had a series of questions that we wanted to ask them with the end goal in mind of knowing who we wanted to target. So for example, I told them beforehand, it's usually the parents that are making the end decision in this, right? So some of the content has to be directed to like at the parents. So one of the questions you need to ask the kids when they come in is, how did your parents like react to you when you said you wanted to work for yourself this summer? How did they support you? How did they not support you? Whatever it was, right? Then taking that content and breaking that down into um, those little small micro pieces, all you're hoping is for one of those to catch some kid who goes, oh, like this, this guy was kind of scared to try it at first, but then it turned out his parents were super, you know, happy about him trying it out and learning um, and it's only one summer, right? Like who cares? Or kind of giving them little arguments to try and persuade their parents. But if the parent sees the content that they go, Oh, Hey, little Jimmy might be great for this. Like it's, it's all about the thought of the end consumer over and over again. And this, one of the reasons I love podcasting is because it's long form content that you can break down into a million little small pieces and just put it out for free. There's no harm in it. Right. Absolutely. And so did you guys, how did you guys tag things in terms of the title um, for some of the stuff? Did you, how much thought process went into that and to kind of make each of those little pieces engaging? So for these guys right now, um, we actually only just got the deliverables to them like last week. So the strategy part of it, I think they have somebody that they've hired on currently um, for like six months or something like that, who's doing more of their marketing for them. So I've given my suggestions of what I think they should do, but there's, I don't know what their entire strategy plan is per se, but in general, most of it comes back to uh, like partnerships are tagging local businesses or whoever you're trying to reach. So let's say for these guys, maybe they want to tag like the mom's group of Brockville or something like that. Right. And so the mom's group of Brockville, they see it on Instagram and go, oh, wow, that's really cool. There's there's a bunch of people in our, our group who might want that, and they reshare it. And then 20 moms from that reach back out to this company and say, you know, I've got a kid who might be interested, and of those 20 kids, probably only one will be accepted in. But um, that's kind of the, the process of it. So tagging businesses, using hashtags, the amount of like personal projects that I've um, accumulated just for my personal Instagram page has been pretty crazy. Um, I put out a video a few months ago that was just showcasing where we live in the Thousand Islands region, Uh, put it out there and people shared it like crazy. And I've had uh, emails coming in just asking about like licensing the footage and that this summer they wanted to film videos. And all I did was put like a couple hashtags on the video and that's about it. Like relating obviously to the thousand islands and the, uh, sites, sites around here that you can see. Well, so I guess, I guess too, there, there's also something for producing stuff that's local that then connects people. Cause people, I think do enjoy seeing the area that they're at portrayed in a good light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anything you can do that and get local people involved, is just more likely to be to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And so in terms of like the, what you're talking about with the strategy with that too, I guess it 
would totally depend on what you're trying to do with your business in terms of if you're trying to get local clients, then that kind of stuff makes more sense. I haven't looked into like the global marketing scale for this kind of stuff, but, but the content part still applies. I just don't know the behind strategy section, but whatever companies are putting out the most content and viewed content, that's the way to get into those global markets because again, it's free and who knows who you're going to stumble upon um, on the online networking game because that's changed so much. We can reach people now that we never in a million years could have like, you know, even 30 years ago. No, definitely, definitely. No, it definitely is, is interesting to see, you know, how things have changed. And to the extent that, you know, you can find someone halfway across the country, especially if it's become more of a digital service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just never know what it's going to lead to. Absolutely. And that's the other thing, like word of mouth, especially in my industry, has been everything here. Once one client, if they're happy, and these guys are already pretty established businesses in, in the area, they talk to the next person and they talk to the next person and... That hasn't changed much in marketing over the last, you know, well, probably forever. But uh, that's been one of the biggest growth models, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. No, it sounds good. Well, 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 you know, thanks for kind of sharing all those the the tips, Mitch. I know it was just really kind of helpful hearing your perspective on things. And I know I kind of took away, had some key takeaways, and especially when it comes to just subscription i think a lot of things are moving the subscription model it just makes Mm -hmm. sense to try to uh come up with more and more subscription offerings no matter no matter what someone does definitely and whether it's uh like hiring a company like myself or you to do the stuff um even if you can't afford to do that if you're a young business that's kind of the the excuse i often hear from a lot of businesses is well we can't afford to have so and so or whatever but Everyone has a phone nowadays and there's apps out there, whether you're trying to make video or podcasting content that you can do for free and start putting it out there. So anybody who's listening, that is like the biggest encouragement I would say is like, just start making content and putting it out. Don't worry about anything judgment wise or if it's the highest end production quality. Um, but then when you get to the point of needing that kind of stuff, there's companies like what Wes and I are doing who are out there and available to kind of help guide that along. No, definitely. And, uh, for people wanting to get a hold of you, what are, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Well, you can check out bdfilm.com, B-E-A-T-T-I-E film, uh, or Instagram, same thing at bdfilm, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, everything's out there. At right, so you, film. You've been been getting on the TikTok? Just starting, but I want to start putting out a lot more content on there because the organic growth has the potential to be pretty big. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the one thing where I haven't quite jumped onto TikTok yet, but, you know, trying to decide, like, all right, do I make the jump or not? But <laughs> Yeah. What's what's hard about it right now is um, I was talking to somebody about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. The... Uh, the funny thing about it is if you're putting out too high value or too, sorry, too high quality of content, I think a lot of people think it's an ad on the platform and just scroll down. So what I think TikTok's great for is more of like just pulling out your phone and making like a silly video more around 
what you do rather than trying to like put a high piece of quality content out there. So like making a funny video about setting up like a C stand with a giant light and you know, it just keeps falling down or whatever and make that into something funny and creative as opposed to putting out like a super cinematic video because everybody right now still thinks they're ads from marketers, which is totally fair. Nice. That, that's actually a really good point is because I do, I do see, especially in the digital world, things kind of shifting a little bit where you get people who are going the one way of, oh, I need to get the cameras are getting better and we're producing higher quality stuff or yep. kind of people don't really care as much about how, how quality it is. And they just want to know if it's funny and entertaining yep. and they're just as happy to watch something that was filmed on a phone and is authentic rather than something that you, you know, filmed with a really expensive camera or, you know, is highly produced. Exactly. And that's why story is king. And that's what I've tried to tell a lot of young kids who are trying to get into video and stuff like that is honestly go buy the lowest end camera that you can afford and just start creating and focus on the story, not necessarily the production value that will start coming as you learn to edit and do all that stuff too. But the most important thing is story at the end of the day. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Whether that's well, a six second TikTok or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much, Mitch, for uh, being on the podcast. It's been, yeah. been great. Thanks very much for having me. All right. Thanks, bitch. And that wraps up another episode. I know I really took away the importance of doing more subscription work and how that can be just extremely helpful and a win-win for both the client and for the person producing the work. Also, I'm going to take away a renewed focus on just audience. And so you might think you know your audience, but just really dig deep down a little bit more and always be thinking through the strategy of the work. But at the same time, just make sure you get the work out there because one perfect piece that you produce and spend a lot of time probably isn't going to have the same amount of impact as just producing more content regularly. Until next time, have a great one.